Can you know God? Can we really know God? An atheist is a person who denies that God exists. They reject the, the very existence of God. And so they believe that there is no God to know. An agnostic, they believe that it is impossible to know if God exists. Uh, they believe that's not a knowable thing. And it may seem like there's a God. And, and it may point to the fact there's a God. But they would say, you know what, we just can't know if there is a God. But what about for us today as Christians? What about those who profess to be followers of Jesus Christ? Can we know God? Can you, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, can you know God? Now, here's what I see. I see most of us say that, yes, we can know God. Yes, for sure, I know God. However, even saying that, I believe somewhere deep inside of us, maybe somewhere deep in our minds, we really do not think that God is knowable. Let me give you a couple examples. Is God the creator? Is God the creator? Because the Bible, in his word, God says that he is the creator. He says that we can know him as the creator. In fact, he doesn't just tell us he is the creator. He tells us how he did it. And yet, if someone, or, or sometimes if it seems that everyone says, well, that's not too smart. In fact, all the evidence seems to say something else, and it seems that it would be a ridiculous thing to, to, to make this claim. When asked the question, is God the creator, sometimes we start to say, well, maybe it's not important. Well, maybe that's not the point of that. Or, or maybe our big answer is, well, we just have to take it on faith. And when we do that, we are saying God is really not knowable. Another example, is God good? And is he always good? Because if he is, how does he allow bad things to happen, especially to good people? Why is there evil in the world? How could he send people to hell? And, and how would he even create a place such as hell? How that, could that ever be considered as good? And when someone starts to ask those questions, then we say, well, maybe that's not the point. Or maybe there is no such thing as hell. And it's never supposed to be taken literally. Or you know what? We'll just avoid the subject altogether. Or again, the big answer, well, we'll just have to take it. By faith. And again, when we do that, we're saying God truly, really is not knowable. Now, I could go on with examples, but I want to tell you today here is the truth this morning God wants to be known. In fact, God makes Himself known. And the way that He reveals Himself and the way that we know Him is through the Word of God, through our Bibles. Very plainly this morning, to know God, we have to know the Bible. God wants to make himself known. Well, today in our study here in the Gospel of Luke, once again, God himself, how awesome is that? God himself is going to reveal himself to us. If you want to know what God is like, he's going to show us today in our verses here in his word. Now, real quickly, let me say this this morning. Sometimes I do not know what God is doing. 
Honestly, I just can't see it. Sometimes I, I don't understand what he's doing. I can't see what he's good, doing, and I would try to figure it out. I don't know what God is doing. And sometimes, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I don't like it. I don't like what's happening. I don't like what's going on, and I can't understand it. And sometimes I do not know what God is doing, but I still know my God. And that's how we make it. God wants to make himself Known. Today we're in Luke chapter 15, verses 8 through 10. Luke chapter 15, verses 8 through 10. I'm going to ask if you, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Jesus is speaking, he's speaking, he's teaching in parables, and he says this. Or what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one coin does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. Verse 10, In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come today, we're thankful for you. I'm thankful for a, know, a God that I could know, a God that, that loved and was graceful enough to reveal himself to me and to us, and that when I can't understand where he's leading and what he's doing, I can understand the truth of his character, who he is. He's kind and he's gracious and he's loving and he's just and he's holy and he's merciful He's awesome and he's mighty. I'm thankful that you reveal yourself to us. I, I pray today as we study your word that you would speak again, that, that we would catch a greater glimpse of you today in the truth of your word. I pray for some that are in this service that do not know Christ. I, I pray that in this hour, in the preaching of your word and the drawing of your spirit, that they might put their faith in our Savior Jesus. I pray that you'd have free reign in this service, that you would move freely, that you would teach us, that you would guide us, that you would correct us. I pray we would be changed as we leave this hour. We come and just want to tell you, we want to worship and honor you. We love you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today we find ourselves in the midst of three parables that Jesus uses, three illustrations that Jesus paints to answer a specific situation, again, that he finds himself in. Once again, remember the context today. In Luke chapter 15, the Pharisees and the scribes, thinking themselves above the need for God's grace, have decided that these tax collectors and these sinners were beyond God's grace. And they are trying to discredit Jesus by saying, by pointing out his association with them. Remember verse 2, it says, Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Again, they're using this as a derogatory thing. They're using this as a negative thing. Of Jesus, they're saying, look at who he associates with. Look who he assembles and runs around with. And they're using this as a derogatory thing about Jesus. Well, into that, Jesus then presents these three parables. Today, we're going to move to the second parable. Let's go very quickly today to our verses. We begin with looking, looking at verse 8. It says this. Jesus continues, and he says this. 
Or what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? I want us to see two things that develop here in this parable, two things that are, that are developing here in this illustration. First is this. The Bible says this woman has ten silver coins. The original language, the Greek, they were called drachma. This was a Greek silver coin. At the, at the time that this was written, it was the equivalent, or it was equal to a day's Wages. Now, I think it's interesting. It's interesting to me that it's also about the value of one sheep. And so the Bible says this woman has ten coins. She has, she possesses the value of ten days worth of labor, ten days worth of work. Where the man had the value of a hundred sheep, we find that this lady had and possessed the value of about ten sheep. And so understand today, this is a poor woman. All that she has are these 10 coins. These 10 coins are all that she possesses. And so understand, these coins are a big deal to her. Where the man had 100 sheep, she has the value of 10 sheep. And this is all that she possesses. These coins are a big deal to her. So the first thing we see develop in the parable is the value of the coins. Then the Bible says, she loses one coin. In the parable, Jesus says, and so who among you, which of you here would not, if this was you, if this was you in this place, would not light a lamp and sweep the house? And the Bible says, search carefully until she finds it. And that's the picture here. And the second thing we see as it develops in the parable is her diligence is her effort, is her steadfastness in looking for the coin. Now listen, get this today. The coin's value to her motivates the intensity of her search. Now that's a big thing for us to understand. That's going to be a big truth in what we take out of here today. Understand, the coin's value to her motivates the intensity of her. Her search, very simply, because of the coin's great value to her, she mounts a great search for the coin. That's going to be a a big deal. That's going to be a good thing here in a minute. Look at verse 9. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. Verse 9 says that she just like the man that has found his sheep in the previous parable, she is rejoicing. It is that same understanding. She is exuberantly celebrating when she finds her coin. She finds that coin and she is very excited. She is celebrating. The Bible says just like that man, she goes and she calls together all of her friends. She calls together all of her neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me, celebrate with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Now I read that. I think, well, that's understandable. Well, that makes sense. And I think, well, tied to the previous parable, we can understand that. I want to stop here for just a second. And I want you to see, honestly, the silliness of this. If I had $100, if 
I had 10 $10 bills. And if at my house I misplaced, I lost one of those $10 bills. And I, I began to be upset about it, and I tore my home apart. And I've actually done that. And I scrambled all around, and I looked, and I looked, and I, I thought I put it up there, and I thought it was in my wallet, and I, I thought I set it on top of my dresser. And I, and I scrambled around, and I looked, and I looked, and I found my $10 bill right where Carrie said it was going to be. And if I called y'all and I said, hey, come on over. Come on over this afternoon. We're going to get some Dr. Pepper. We're going to cook a bunch of ribs. We're going to have some bacon-wrapped peppers. I'm going to get out my cool in the gang tape. Celebrate good times. Come on over. It's going to be a party this afternoon. We're going to stay up late tonight. We're going to laugh. We're going to play chicken foot tonight. We may miss work tomorrow. Come on over. We're going to have a big time. You say, okay, I'm on the way. All right, here we come. But why? And I said, you know what? I found my $10 bill. What would that show you? Either I was crazy or I really, really valued that $10 bill. Remember that. That's going to be important here in a minute. Look at verse 10. And in the same way, I tell you, in the same way, I want to stop right here again as it was last week. Jesus is leaving the parable. He's turning from the parable. And he's, he's really starting to apply it here to life. Basically he says, this is the point. Now, I, I made a picture. I, I explained it with the parable. But, but here's the point. Here's what you take away from this. Now, I want you to pay attention. Jesus, God himself says, here's what I'm trying to tell you. Here's what I'm trying to reveal to you. Listen to verse 10. He says this. In the same way, I tell you, this is what I want you to know. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, I want to look very carefully here at verse 10. I want us to see two things. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Over one single sinner, over one sinner who repents. Who is this addressed to? To whom is this speaking? Whose ears should perk up when they hear this? That there is joy in the presence of the angels of God. Hear me today. Listen to me today. It is the sinner. Stay with me. Follow me. Do you know who could care less about this parable? Do you know who heard this parable and had really very little impact on them. It was those who thought very little of their sins. It was those smug, self-righteous Pharisees. They were in the hearing of this parable. It had no impact on them. It made no major influence on them. You know who this is written to? It's written to sinners. I want to get very real with us today. Do you know your sin? And I'm not talking about looking around saying, well, I know about their sin or I know their sin and how awful it is. I'm talking to you today. Do you know your sin? Are you ashamed of the wickedness of your sin? Do you see the rebellion and the hatred toward God in your sin? Again, I'm talking to you, not somebody else. Do you see the hatred that you express towards God in your sin? Does the recollection of your sin make you shudder in your soul? Oh, when I think about my sin... 
then Jesus has your attention. Then Jesus is speaking to you. Second, notice here it says, joy in the presence of the angels of God. Now, I had to read that. In fact, I had to go look some stuff up on that. Joy in the presence of the angels of God. A lot of times we say, well, when a sinner repents, the angels rejoice. I believe they do, but that's not what this is saying. It says, joy in the presence of the angels of God. See this today. What is this saying? Who is in the presence of the angels of God? God is. God himself is. Understand the Bible is showing us here God is joyful, God is joy-filled over one sinner who repents. Now hold on to that, it's going to be good in just a second. Today, in these three verses, this is awesome. In these three verses, what has God shown us about himself? Now this is awesome, I wanted to skip straight here and, and, and skip all the rest of that, but I had to go through the verses. What has God shown us about himself Today, Listen to me today. This is the point of it. It's not, it's not in great length, but here's the point of what he's saying to us today. We serve a God. We serve a God who rejoices. He does. Not the angels. He does. We serve a God who rejoices over one sinner, over you and over me, who repents. And the extent of his rejoicing shows the value that he places on us even as sinners. Listen to me. He values you. Oh, how he values you. And listen to me. The value that he places on you as a sinner, the value that he gives to you as a sinner, motivates the extent of the effort that he goes to to secure the sinner. And you sit here and say, you know what, I don't understand that. What does that look like? I want to tell you what that looks like in reality when Jesus tells us the parable here. Friend, it looks like the cross of Calvary. God so loved you, God so valued you that he sent his only begotten son and he sent him to the cross of Calvary that we might be forgiven, that we might be redeemed, that we might be purchased back. What a God we serve. What an awesome God we serve. What a God. And when I think that God is son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in that on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. What a great God we have. Praise God. Let's pray. During Father, we come and I'm thankful for you. I praise you. I worship you. I look at this little parable and I, I see how much you must value us even as rebellious Evil sinners who turned against you, you value us. And the value you place on us is evident in the extent that you go to, to redeem us. And it wasn't just a sweeping of a room. It wasn't a frantic search. It was Jesus leaving heaven and coming to earth to die in my place. And, then, and not only that, but you were glad to do it. 
And you did it for the redemption of me, a sinner, a, a person that had rebelled against you, and you rejoice when the individual turns and repents. What an awesome God. I praise you. I worship you. I thank you. I bow down before you, my God. We come today and I pray for some here that, that maybe thought their value wasn't that great. Maybe they believed the lives of the world and thought, you know what, I've, I've gone too far and I've messed up too bad and, and I don't hold a value anymore. Pray that in the truth of your word that they would see they hold the value of the precious Son of God that you for one for one exchanged for them. Pray that you'd move in our time of invitation. Pray that in the rejoicing of our heart and the astonishment of our heart that we would respond to you. If nothing else, our love and our gratitude would be made known to you. I pray for some that don't know you that today they'd put their faith in Christ. I tell you today, I praise you and I worship you and I love you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.